we think about like how the world shapes us, we have to think about how perfectionism has served us. For some of us that are people pleasers, we've been able to become perfectionistic in a serving way as a way to protect. And those that have relied more achievement focused and have almost like gained their notoriety for a certain level of intelligence or achievement, it's all serving that sort of like protective layer. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Please podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Super glad you're here, of course, as always. And this week's topic is one that I think is really interesting. I think it's one of those that I would categorize as, yes, we've made some progress as a society in changing the narrative around perfectionism. That's what we're talking about today. Um, But sometimes I think it's like fake progress. Um, So let me explain what I mean by that. I think online we've talked a lot about how we acknowledge that perfectionism is not necessary. We don't expect people to be perfect and yet we're still expecting people to be perfect. So I think we've changed the way we talk about perfectionism, but we haven't quite changed the way we accept someone for not being perfect. Or it's kind of like at a certain level, it's okay if you're not perfect. And then once you reach X amount of followers or you have X title in your company or X amount of responsibility, then you are expected to be perfect. And that's not really how it works. (laughs) You know, you don't like all of a sudden become not human when you reach a certain level of responsibility or whatever that threshold is. No one is perfect and we just simply can't be. So Perfectionism is something that I have certainly been working on myself and recognizing where it comes up for me. It's for sure come up in the podcast and season two, I've gotten a lot better at how I approach it and not being so obsessive about how I edit the podcast. I leave in a lot of ums, I leave in some breaks and a lot of that comes with just experience and feeling more at ease when I'm speaking. So my sentences and thoughts are more cohesive. So I feel like there's less to edit out, but I was like, edit production heavy in season one and I'm really trying to get away from that. Um, Really excited to talk about this with our guest this week. We have Lauren Ruth Martin on the podcast. She is a fellow podcaster. She's also a therapist and a speaker and we're covering a lot of ground in this episode. We talk a lot about um, where perfectionism comes from, how it can show up, how the internet and how social media feeds perfectionism, how it's just literally not helping at all, and what we can do about it. So how can you actually work to heal and grow out of this perfectionism mindset? What does that actually look like? We're covering all of that. So super relatable. As I mentioned in my stories the other day, I literally don't think anybody does not struggle with some level of perfectionism. So I know that you will get something out of this episode. And if you do, definitely share it with a friend. We are going to hit a milestone this month in terms of downloads. Super pumped about it. So the more you can share and tell people about the podcast, the more I will love you. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you guys so much. You don't even have to do anything for me to love you other than listen to this and be nice to me. Okay, before we get into this week's episode and the interview and all the good stuff, I want to just quickly remind you about the Conspiracy of Goodness Summit, which is happening on October 10th. We had the Conspiracy of Goodness on the podcast in season one. I think it's episode six. Go find it. It's really, really good, really inspiring. That episode just hit at the exact right time. And really, if you're just still feeling like you're in the thick of this grieving with everything that has come to the surface in the last year, year and a half, go listen to that episode and consider attending this event. This is a really good organization and they are just spreading goodness left and right. Um, Basically, it's an afternoon of sessions, interactive sessions, um, powerful talks, all of the good stuff that is going to really just inspire us to live with purpose. It's all about living with purpose and moving towards the future that we are all craving. None of that doom and gloom stuff that is not productive. We want to focus on solutions and how we can contribute individually to the future that we actually want. And that's what this event is about. So October 10th, it is 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. It's on a Sunday, so get really cozy. It's in October, so it's going to be fall vibes. Get a candle, get a 
cuddly blanket, get your pets, and just listen, learn, and be inspired with this event. Again, October 10th, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. I have a link in the show notes for 15% off. No code, don't need any code involved whatsoever. Just click the link in the show notes and you'll be able to use that discount. Okay, that's all I want to say. Let's get into this week's episode about perfectionism with Lauren Ruth Martin. Let's go. So I'll start with like more of a personal question. What has your experience been with perfectionism? What has it like been like for you and where do you feel like you're at with it now? Oh my gosh. So I grew up a competitive gymnast. So if you can just imagine... It, you know, like that meme going around of like the game of perfection. I think it was called perfection. Like that's like created all of the anxiety ridden adults in the world. Yeah. Mine was in gymnastics. That whole thing of if you fall off beam, the team will lose. It's like, ah, it was more of that. A lot of pressure. So much pressure. Um, so that's like where my perfectionism really started. It wasn't until an adult. You were probably young, right? Like gymnastics that you start really young. Yeah. Yeah. I was like seven years old traveling every weekend, stressing out about, you know, and like little, I will tell you the moment I realized that that sparked a lot of my perfectionism. I was at a gymnastics meet for one of my friend's kids and she was seven and it was like a rec meet and she got to like see her parents in between events and there was no pressure. It was fun. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like at that age I was, it was not fun. It was mm-hmm. really competitive. So it's basically like perfectionism has been like this common thread in my life. And it either led to a lot of overcompensating and like trying to do the most And then when I felt like I wasn't hitting the mark, I would just rebel. So like in college, it was like, you know what? I'm just going to booze it up. I'm going to be that girl. Like my sorority, like my name was that girl. Like I wanted to be that girl. I did not want, I did not want to be associated with perfection at all. So what do you mean by that girl? Like just the girl who's like doing whatever she wants, like doing whatever she wants, not given, like not giving a crap about anybody. Like, oh yeah, you saw me drunk this weekend. That's fine. Like, I don't care. I don't care if I fell on the floor. I don't care if I embarrassed myself. Mm -hmm. I, I became very like shameless as this way of not having to, to take the pressure off. Did that feel good? Oh God. Sometimes it did. And sometimes it didn't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it felt really liberating, but I was quite miserable. Right. I mean, I'm just thinking like, cause I feel like I've had a phase like that too, where I was just like, whatever, (laughs) I'm just going to do whatever I want. And like there, it can be empowering to like go through a phase like that, but Also, like, at least for me, making some questionable decisions and not things that I was, like, super proud of. Right. No, I mean, luckily, Facebook was just starting when I was in college. Yeah. And and so my whole life wasn't documented, but a good part of it was. Um, Yeah, I was quite miserable. I, I mean, I had good moments, but I think that was probably the least skillful part of my life. Just... Mm -hmm hot mess express and I was still getting stuff done and I think that's what justified what I was doing like right like my grades are not good. a total train wreck but not right. thriving right not thriving at all um and then now like fast forward 15 plus years there's a ton of awareness of when it comes up I feel like I'm really good at challenging it um I still procrastinate like no other, but I feel like I'm actually in a really good place with it to where it motivates me and it's not as paralyzing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's just, I think for all the pandemic has been a mess. I think it really helped me because I was just left with myself inside and what I can do there instead of Mm -hmm. being out in the world and having all those distractions. It really taught me that, I wasn't getting the things that I wanted to do done. I wasn't living in my values, not because I had all this other outside stuff going on, but because I wasn't letting myself do it because I was scared of getting it wrong. How 
how does perfectionism show up other than maybe the obvious ways of like feeling like it does have to be perfect because I know that's like that's a pretty clear thought that people have like I want it to be perfect I want to do it right but what are some maybe like not so obvious ways that perfectionism kind of creeps in if that makes sense yeah no I'm, I'm a big behaviorist so look at things behaviorally procrastination I think people think oh I'm just lazy it's like no procrastination is perfectionism because you're ruminating about it Mm -hmm. um if you're obsessing it shows up like envy if you think about it perfectionism can show up like envy if you're seeing people do the things that you want to do but you're almost like nitpicking it and being kind of bitter like oh well so and so let's just talk about Instagram so and so has like all these followers and their content looks like ugh, you know And then you realize like, well, maybe they're investing more time in it. Maybe they're just putting themselves out there. Maybe they're producing more content to like, it increases their chances of being seen. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But that sort of, that envy, that sort of bitterness, that cynicism that comes into play, I think is associated with perfectionism, especially if our efforts aren't being recognized. Like if I'm working my butt off to clean the house and nobody says, thank you, um, you know, that resentment can come into play, constantly checking, redoing work. Um, Oh my gosh, what else? I'm trying to think of like thoughts. Procrastination is interesting to me because normally you think like perfectionists are like go-getters and and just like work to get things done. So it's interesting that um, procrastination is like a common theme too. Because it's like if perfectionism was a scale, that's like, the crippling end of the scale like you're literally like self-sabotaging like preventing yourself from doing what you want to do because you're worried about it yes like my clients I feel like not to brag about my clients but they're really brilliant and they have so many good ideas they're just not doing it and I think that's what's hard about perfectionism is that you're living so much in your head and you're so good at either overcompensating to not experience making mistakes or you just avoid really well to not make mistakes that you're basically an expert at not feeling discomfort, which then holds you back and like you're a prisoner to that comfort. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you mean by shame-based before I cut you off? Like what yeah. does that mean? It, so shame is one of those emotions that we are hardwired to not want to feel, if you think about it. Like way yeah. back, like back in caveman days, if you did something that was shameful, you would be kicked out and you would die. That's literally what it was. Now we experience that if we don't get enough likes on our Instagram post or if we send the wrong email, we just think, oh my gosh, we're going to get kicked out. And so if we think about perfectionism, it's isolating in two senses. And that's like where shame, unaddressed shame leads to isolation, essentially. It's either you're putting up a front, so you're out there in the world, but it's a either like a shell of yourself or a very curated false version of yourself so it's not authentic but it's well received Mm -hmm. but you still feel lonely or you're hiding and isolating so much because you just don't want to be out there that you're disconnected so that's where I say that perfection perfectionism and shame are to are very much intertwined because that shame or the anticipation of shame like knowing that whatever you do put out in the world is vulnerability avoiding that leads to the shame just growing bigger and bigger yeah it's really interesting because I think about like the different realms that perfectionism can show up like I don't know if there's like better way to describe this but like segmenting like work or perfectionism um like executing something but then I when you're talking about shame and stuff and putting yourself out there I also think about like relationships or friendships and like you can be really isolating because you like want to get a relationship perfect and like your communication and then you can maybe even like shut down and then that leads to isolation so -hmm. that's more abstract to me like perfectionism in the in the realm of like relationships yeah I mean if you think about it if you're so concerned I'll just go there but if you think about like your intimacy and your like bedroom performance that could Mm -hmm. lead to avoidance of doing that act because you don't want to get it wrong or it can lead to you thinking it has to be done a certain way 
that like you focus on doing really well, but then after you're almost like critique, you're approaching everything with criticism Mm -hmm. Um, or like with friendships. (laughs) I, so in a skills class I teach, we were all cracking up because we, a lot of us in our skills class, everybody admitted that they asked the other person, where do you want to go eat? Because they don't want to make the mistake of choosing the wrong restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it shows up in these little things of over accommodating. Or... I used to do that with music. I remember in yes. college, I would never be the girl who was like in charge of the playlist ever. Because I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't think people will like my music or what I like or whatever. So I always just was would let other people do it. Um, but yeah, I definitely noticed that in myself just with like silly things like that. In my own friend group, like who I know are not, yeah. they were very kind. They were not going to like condemn me for not liking the songs that I liked or anything. And some of that's because of how critical we are of ourselves. But also there may be a chance that we're also a little like critical of others. <laughs> But we just don't say it out loud. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely a large chance that that's going on. And so we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, if I'm thinking that, then I'm not going to put myself out there because I don't want them thinking about me what I think about them. Yes. And I feel like that's so subconscious. Like, I don't think that, like, rationally. Right. But I think you're totally right. Yeah. I mean, that's... I think that's sort of like the mind blowing thing about perfectionism. And when we think about how it goes to relationships, it, it kind of can circle back to how do I see myself and how does my perfectionism, how do I, I hate using the word projecting, but how does that skew how I see other people's work? Do I idealize it and think, okay, they're brilliant. I'll never get there. Or am I picking it apart and envious? Again, it goes to that idea of if you're approaching if you're overcompensating like that go-getter stuff, mm-hmm. then maybe it's kind of like that secret pride and like nitpicking everybody's work um, and like why you're better than them outwardly. Or if you're in that avoidant place, just like how much you're stewing in your own bitterness that mm-hmm. somebody not as good as you is getting what you want. Yeah. And it requires like a, great level of self-awareness to be able to call that out in yourself like you have to be ready to do that if you really want to like heal from it and you have to like own like all right I really am stopping myself and I think that's what's so hard about perfectionism it's like because you want to be perfect so in order to (laughs) overcome it you really have to say like you have to own it and and realize like the thoughts and actions that you're having are really preventing you from actually not being perfect, but like being perfect in your own way and like being Mm -hmm. who you want to be. It requires a degree of humility that your way isn't the best way and and that your version of perfect is just your version. Like what you're saying, it's your version of perfect. Especially online, I think, because like it's such a small glimpse. Like you creators or like if anyone is posting anything, like you've probably thought about that 25 times more than the person who is going to look at it. And so I think like that is skewed because you you think like, oh, this is so important. And like, I really want to come across OK. And really, it's just like a scroll in someone's day, like a split second. Or maybe they do like resonate or like it or whatever. And that's great. But it's just like we create such importance around everything that we're doing sometimes. And I think that can also hurt us. But it's it feels good yeah. to think that like everything you're doing is important. And it is. But just to put it into perspective, like the time that people are actually spending like thinking about what you're doing is probably not what you think. And I think like that goes to this sort of idea that we're in both a big and a small world. Like before social media, you only had to, so I'm 35. So I will just out myself like with my age, I'm 35. And in school, we did not have social media at all. So you only had to impress who you weren't like when you got dressed, it was for your class that day and maybe anybody that you would see outside of school like there was Mm -hmm. reputation there was um you know like your there again it was your reputation but it was so limited into how it could be impacted now with social media it's like oh my gosh i'm trying to literally impress the world or impress all these people because you see people getting access to platform and But even then, I think it's hilarious. Like there's some people, they have hundreds of thousands of followers. They're like, oh, it's just a hundred thousand. What? Oh, so you don't have a million followers. Yeah. 
Yeah. So safe to say that social media has probably made perfectionism more prevalent or what do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if we just want to talk about like Pinterest for a little bit. Yeah. Like Pinterest, I think really jacked it up. I think like, cause you had Facebook and you had MySpace and there was a certain degree of comparison, but I think when Pinterest and Instagram became more of a thing, it, it was, it elevated the perfectionist, the perfectionism. Cause it's like, no, it, it is achievable. It's documented. See how this is curated. And that's like where now a lot of life is set up for aesthetic. Like the fact that even like in Nashville, there's a Taco Bell on Broadway that's set up to be Instagrammed. And so I think there's like an expectation to really value aesthetic, which I can vibe with. Like I will totally I go to a coffee shop. A good aesthetic. <laughs> yes. It's, because it's great. It's gorgeous and it's fun to take pictures and it's nice to be around visually pleasing things. Mm-hmm. But to have that expectation for everything you do in life, like beyond like an, a big event, like a wedding, like anything that you feel like you need to curate, even like a bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just like painting a wall. It's like, how do you set up a sitting area in your room or I just feel like it, you're right. it amplified everything, but I think it's because it created these pillars of it. It gave the impression that perfection was attainable. And it's everywhere. I think you're so right. And it's really, Pinterest is interesting because I haven't really thought about like how Pinterest specifically has impacted me because Instagram, like duh, Facebook, yeah. duh. <laughs> but Pinterest, I'm still on it a lot. And you're right. Like, I even remember when Pinterest first came around and trying to recreate some of these crafts or whatever that I saw, and it never turns out the way (laughs) that it is on the pictures and how it is on Pinterest. And that's like people talk about having a Pinterest wedding or a Pinterest shower or something. Yes. I think you're totally right about like, and the volume of content that we're seeing that is quote unquote perfect, of course, that's going to like affect our lens when we want to put something out there. And when you were talking, I'm thinking like I've had to get over a lot of stuff um, with the podcast because I would hide behind a lot of like perfectionist tendencies and just think like, well, I have to have all the equipment and here I am with like my broken cord (laughs) and our apartment and stuff is um, like we're in the middle of like a huge investment property renovation. And so like all of our money is going towards there. I'm 29. Like we're... Um, like younger 30s, well, not me, not yet, but um, so I'm like, okay, we don't have a house yet. Like, I get a little jealous yes. about, you know, the aesthetics and like the homes that I see online. And like, man, I wish that was my background instead of like all this furniture I found on Craigslist seven years ago. <laughs> like, right. it's hard. But like, people live like people live off of Craigslist furniture for a long time. It attributes like a meaning to things, and. As we were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, it's what it, pinning something is so easy to do. And the fact that everything is labeled like DIY or recreate this, it doesn't take into consideration the amount of effort that it requires. They make it seem like, oh, this is a weekend project. Yeah, because you do it every weekend. This is not a weekend project. Like during quarantine, I repainted the bedroom and the bathroom and it took like a week and a half like on mm-hmm. t- like outside of work, but it was a lot harder than I thought because I'm not a painter. Yeah. And then you see a 15 second reel that just makes it feel like you can do it in a day or something. Yes. Because if you think about it, when we see things and we experience them, our body registers that. Like when you see a horror movie and you like you cog- like, you know, oh, this is a horror movie. But when you're scared, you're feeling that that fear. You know, and so when we watch a tutorial or this, I think about like how kids, I have a three-year-old, he likes to watch kids playing with toys. And I think that there's something, so this is where I'll blow your mind because I blew my own mind. I was like, why is my kid obsessed with watching kids play with things on YouTube? And I was like, oh, wait, I watch reality TV. It's the same thing. I'm watching (sighs) grown adults do life live their life like a three-year-old would (laughs) right so like that blew I was like oh my gosh my kid already likes reality tv and he doesn't even know what it is 
But when we watch that content, we feel like we're doing it already or we feel like we've done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reality it. TV is so interesting too because it's like supposed to be unscripted in how they live their life, which is so not realistic either. No. So I feel like that doesn't help. No. Like, have you watched Bachelor in Paradise this week? Yes, I'm all caught okay. up. Okay, so I just know enough from like Instagram, but like the couple that came on and they were talking about like getting Instagram followers and stuff Brendan like that. Brendan and Piper, yep. Like we know this stuff and yet we still think because like they've set their life up to be on Bachelor in Paradise. Like that's their aspiration, no shade. Like mm-hmm. if I was in my younger 20s and single, would probably do the same thing so I can sell some teeth whitener and pay off my loans. Like... Why not? Solid business plan. And like you can't, we don't want to knock the game, but it does take away that idea. Like we still internalize that some of these things are more curated than we want to like really believe. Yeah. Dang, that is really interesting because it's not like we didn't know that. And even people will say that. I've been like all over the comments about this season in this episode in particular and people's comments are interesting because a lot of people will say like well everyone's there for Instagram followers and like we already know this and all this stuff and so it is really interesting that we are like really not for this couple who is just kind of doing it outright I mean they did kind of do it in a shady way but I wonder if they were just like we want to be here for Instagram followers like I don't know. We like to believe that it's more natural than it is and that they're actually there to find love on a beach with 25 other people. Like that's not reasonable. It's like the, it's like the filters in like Photoshop when that first came out, you know, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, like this is horrible and it's damaging us. And we still look like I can look at a magazine and know that body is, that is Photoshopped. And I still see it as that human has a body I'll never have. The small edits are what get me because you Mm -hmm. can't necessarily see them or like even on Zoom now they have the like improve my appearance so you can just blur your skin (laughs) and it's like you don't know if I see someone on Zoom I'm like wow you look great (laughs) not oh you probably have that face filter on face filter ring light like I don't have my ring light today and I'm like ah like what are they gonna see but it's you're right It, it there's all these tweaks and then I think we also forget too like on social media for some of these people it's their job to look good so like how I go to work and I see clients and I read certain types of treatment and consult they go to the gym they they do certain things to their body because that's their job and I think we we internalize oh well my house should look like this Instagram account and it's like but they that's not your job yeah what do you think about interior designer and I didn't know it (laughs) right no no no. not around here um I was gonna ask what do you think about social media and how like I feel like if I were to do a poll and ask people if they wanted more curated content or more real content people would say they want like the real raw unedited like unfiltered but I don't know if that's like subconsciously true because I feel like the production helps people online like gain authority and get people to like trust them so it's like we want the real run unedited but we don't like support the real run unedited I I think there's a I think there's a certain level of quality that we that we expect and I don't think that that's really wrong like if you think about it's like food right same ingredients different plating so if you get a pizza and it's set up really elegantly the cheese is like perfectly on it's perfectly cooked all of that again same ingredients taste the same but we have another slice of pizza like where the cheese is sort of melting off and the ingredients are kind of sliding off um it's not burned but there's like the bubble that comes up you know on the like mm-hmm. near the crust and it doesn't look as appealing again it tastes the same we're going to be drawn to the more aesthetically pleasing piece of pizza and I think sometimes we mistake authenticity and raw and real with lacking quality. Like that's a feeling like that's a feeling about connection. 
as opposed to something that's staged. And I think we all know when people do staged authenticity, we see it. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. think we should sacrifice quality per se, because there is some like not really done. I mean, I sound this like I'm like a really great creator. Like I'm not the best creator in the world. My brother is a fantastic photographer and he, he vibes on some, like on some aesthetic, but he's able to create really beautiful stuff that invokes an emotion. Um, and so I think that I would hate to like put quality work and perfectionism. Am I making sense? Like, yeah, it's yeah, a weird a question. That's why I wanted to ask it. Cause I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. I've just noticed that, that people talk all the time about how Instagram is so curated and it's not what it used to be. And we don't like it this way. But I think it's, that's it's why like the TikTok quality goes up. with it. Yeah. I think TikTok became that place, like sort of like that refuge where you could be a little goofy and a little weird and like not well done. But now we're even seeing that change because people mm-hmm. like well-produced stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. We want them both. Yeah. But yeah, the the quality, it, it's got to be a balance, right? Of like mm-hmm. having quality content versus just completely overdone in stage. And that probably changes like throughout your career if you are someone who's like present online if you're just like sharing to connect with family and friends very different but yeah if you're creating for like an audience then yeah we we don't we don't want anyone to sell out but we want them to keep it up and like I'll be honest with you I did not hire anybody to do my branding for my personal brand which is what my Instagram is now I had my brother create my logo for my counseling practice and that influenced some of the colors, but I didn't really understand brand. Like I just kind of pick, I mean, I just did, you know, that good old Canva, just like, yeah, I didn't have any cohesiveness. And I think that we mistake aesthetic. It's really what we're craving is cohesion and connection. So maybe like with what we're talking about, we want things to be somewhat predictable, Like, I feel better about my content now that I just use the same font and the Mm -hmm. same colors. So I think there's like a degree of consistency that I've created um, that's predictable and it helps the brain make sense of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then connection of just using a real voice instead of what do I think they want to hear? Like, what's going to get me likes? It's just like, hey, these are my thoughts and putting that out there. So maybe that's that, like having it both that we're talking about, of like cohesion, clarity. We want that. We don't need it to be overproduced in the sense of like every picture has to be perfectly staged. Yeah. This could be like a whole other tangent. Like, I know. I, I want to like interesting... go down that rabbit trail so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's. I've, I've had it on my mind a lot just trying to like navigate the online world and thinking like well should I put more effort into changing the font on my stories Cause honestly I'm like I don't know let's just make I black don't. and white my brand because that's what I have the patience for <laughs> I can't yes. like change all of the the colors and stuff but some people do um, but I'm also not going to like record stories in my closet or somewhere that has bad lighting because that's also important right and and maybe that's like where it's prioritizing and what makes the most sense for our audience. And maybe there's a difference because I'm thinking about the people that I follow with higher, like a higher following. And it's almost like once you hit a certain threshold, you let some of that stuff go because mm-hmm. you have the following. So you're like, oh, I can post whatever at this point. You know, think about like Jessica Alba. You know, she has a ton of followers and there's no aesthetic, but I think when you're starting out, um, do you follow publicity at all? Mm-mm. So she was a fashion blogger. Now she's a podcaster. And when her Instagram made her like that was her living, she very much had to go with aesthetic first. And now that she's podcasting and that's where she makes her income, she doesn't have to really claim that aesthetic anymore. So I think it all goes back to like that idea of intention and that idea of values. Like, what are you leading with? You know, and for me, I need consistency because I think that that conveys to my, to my clients and the people that would hire me for what I do, like consistent messaging and having some cohesion. It does display a degree of like 
trustworthiness, but I'm, I'm marketing mental health and therapy and mental health workshops. So that's, it helps to have some cohesion there. Yeah. It kind of goes hand in hand. Interesting topic. There's so much, (laughs) so much, I don't know. It's like not (laughs) answered at all, but curious what people think about that. A lot of starting points, a lot of starting points that you get a lot of possibilities to explore. Yes, think about it next time you're scrolling because I, yeah. I know I do and just gravitate towards like which type of content I like. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to pivot a little bit to talk about like where do you think perfectionism comes from? Is there like common life experiences that people have that like create this perfectionism idea like outside of social media that we've all had? Mm-hmm. Part of it could go to temperament. So the a therapy that I do, it talks about this idea of some of us are biologically hardwired to have really detail-focused processing. Like you you get lost in the details, you see all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this idea of like risk aversion or sensitivity. So I think perfectionism in the sense of risk, your your biological temperament to noticing detail and also, um, sorry, I, I'm processing it in my head. Mm-hmm. So the detail-focused processing, the risk aversion, and also just general, that's more the biology. If we think about like how the world shapes us, we have to think about how perfectionism has served us. For some of us that are people pleasers, we've been able to become perfectionistic in a serving way as a way to protect and those that have relied more achievement focused and have almost like gained their notoriety for a certain level of intelligence or achievement, it, it's all serving that sort of like protective layer. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it's a, a very much a function of protection going back to that shame piece. But I do think there are some biological components like how oriented are you to noticing if a bookshelf is tilted or not a bookshelf, a book is tilted on the bookshelf or how aware are you of um, risk whenever you're in a situation, like how protect, like how wired for anxiety are you or how sensitive are you to picking up on other people's emotions or states? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you think people with anxiety typically have like a level of perfectionism also? I would say like, and it's funny because anxiety and depression, even things like ADHD, a lot of qualities overlap. So I'm speaking super broad brush, but I do think like, so for example, people, women in particular with ADHD will may lean towards having some perfectionistic tendencies because they're overcompensating for what feels kind of like a mess in their mind. Like a lot of times women develop these strategies that look a little bit like OCD, but it's actually just compensating for their attention span. Um, Anxiety, like generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, these disorders of over control and even chronic depression, there can be a level of perfectionism there too. Um, Anxiety is just the more obvious one. Like a lot of, a lot of people with, perfectionistic tendencies have a a degree of anxiety in their system what's causing that anxiety could just be anxiety but it could also be another disorder like depression or ADHD yeah that makes sense that there would be like biological predisposition based on like yeah what you're saying like orientation and details and paying attention to that kind of stuff and like life experiences I'm thinking about even like the kids who have a lot of pressure with grades in grade school like on their parents and have to get the a um i feel like that's a common story that breeds perfectionism of course and and with that shame piece like as a child and my parents never did this to me um they were like if you did your best then that's great (laughs) but yeah um yeah you want to like protect yourself from that and so you just want to do more so like i don't want to get in trouble i don't want to get a talking to so i'm just gonna get good grades even though that might be really really hard and I think we, oh, excuse me, I had the hiccup. I think we have a lot of platitudes kind of put on us of like, be the best that you can be at everything instead of thinking, what do you want to be good at? What are you actually good at? And you really don't have to be the best. Like, 
people and it's live impossible. very successful You life. can't be the best at everything you do. No, no. And there are people that live very successful lives. And I know we keep going back to Instagram, but there's metrics that make this an easier conversation. But like there are people with under 5,000 followers that make a living off of Instagram. It just looks different than somebody with 100,000 followers. And I think mm-hmm. that can be said about life too. People with a 3.0 have a good college experience just as much as like that. I didn't know you could get above a 4.0, but apparently you can, you know, and then we're always, yeah, if you take AP classes, Uh, but what's the point? What is the point? There's no, yeah, but there's no best. Yeah. Maybe at the Olympics, like maybe in sports, it's the best. Even not then. I mean, when we were talking, of course, gymnastics, I'm thinking about this year's Olympics and just like a such clear example of how perfectionism can really take a toll because, Mm -hmm. you know, she's getting a lot of feedback from the internet, which was not around (laughs) like in the Olympics past and, and all of that, like so hard. Like she's still the best gymnast, even though she doesn't have a gold medal from that year's Olympics. Mm-hmm. Like we could say that she's the best. Like she is displayed. Like because there's there's a degree of measure for that. Like she's done X amount of skills to show that she is a highly talented gymnast. There will be somebody one day that surpasses that, or mm-hmm. maybe not. Because I think she is just a like her her biology for her body is just like fantastic mm-hmm. not in like how it looks but like what it does yeah like she was like made to do this obviously yes and yeah. loves it so it's kind of sad to see that like a lot of projecting happening in that case like you let me just tear you down from my couch you olympian right. <laughs> like you quit her. I, I do want to say this like i think that she i think her not doing the all around or her not competing was a great example of you can be a high achieving person and still say no to something. Cause it was that idea of prioritizing in the moment and what made sense to your values. She's mm-hmm. still super successful. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just blown away by how many people like take that personally or feel the need <laughs> to like tell her that she failed the country. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, I totally agree with you, though. Um, okay, cool. To kind of bring things full circle, what can we do about, like, perfectionism? <laughs> yes. What are some, like, tangible things that we can recognize? And then, like, how can we work against those, like, aside from, like, talking to someone like you who can really help someone process through the different areas that perfectionism would come up? Like, what's your general advice? So the general advice always, it will start with, do you know what your values are and like what you're orienting your decisions to? Because I think like what you said earlier, it takes a degree of like self-awareness to know what's driving our behavior and also to begin facing that head on. And a lot of times with perfectionists, everything is important. There's no prioritizing. There's no scaling going on. And I, and I always bring up the word values. Um, So if you want to Google um, well, I can plug my website. If you go to my website, laurenruthmartin.com, there's a link for a free value sheet. There's an exercise that you can do to pick the values um, that you want to have more of in your life or that you want to maintain. And then that becomes what you orient towards instead of the the end result. So I'm always about effort over end game. So like rather than my podcast has to be number one on iTunes, it's like, okay, well, how like you need to make that podcast first mm-hmm. like it's so not like, going to be number one if you don't take action <laughs> right and 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 so in, because if you think about it once you hit that achievement that high like goes away mm-hmm. and so if you're always orienting towards values and continuously making decisions towards your values of like my value is um I love teaching people right so if my podcast never hits number one on iTunes like that can be a goal that I I would love to achieve that one day. That would be really cool if it ever happened. But if I'm continuously educating people and working towards that value of, of showing people content, then that's, that's my gold. I'm getting lots of gold that way instead of one gold achievement. So replacing your shoulds and your goals with values as your guiding light, that's what's super important. That's kind of hard Um, to do, right? Like, 
Oh, feel like <laughs> yeah. I'm making it sound so simple. No, it's absolutely hard to do. <laughs> yeah, because it. Yeah, especially when you are like so attached to the outcome of things, because um, it can be really satisfying. Like, of course, you're going to find satisfaction when you're focusing on the values. But I feel like it still kind of sits back there. Like, oh, well, I really, really want to do this. You just have to keep it in check. Yeah, because you're going to want, I mean, I want to achieve lots of things. I like winning. I like mm-hmm. I like seeing results of things. But that can't be the sole driving force. So you're, you're not dropping it. You're just not letting it be your main course. It's more like a side dish. Mm, love that. I have lots of food metaphors. It's probably <laughs> because I'm getting hungry. Um, also addressing perfectionism is getting used to discomfort. And so a lot of that can be done with body work, um, a lot of mindfulness, checking in with your body through the day there. You can look up UCLA body scan meditation. Like I used to, my husband told me this. I used to carry a lot of tension here in my eyebrows because if I was excited or mad, I just held my eyebrows up here. I had no Mm. idea but like the tension that we carry in our bodies, especially when we're anxious or in that perfectionistic mode, it's signaling to our brain that we need to protect or it's yeah. signaling that we're in threat. So when I'm cleaning the house, instead of feverishly cleaning at this like ridiculous pace, especially if nobody is coming over, I need to slow myself down. I need to take some deep breaths. I need to like squeeze my muscles and release them to get some of that tension out of my body because there's no need for me to operate. A lot of perfectionistic people need to learn how to pace. We're mm-hmm. constantly sprinting. And so the idea of developing a scale in your mind of from a scale of one to five, what's most important? Or instead of I'm anxious or I'm not anxious, how anxious am I? Oh, I'm at 50%. Okay, I think I can tolerate that. Or I'm noticing I'm at 70. We're, we're trying to find middle ground. So like there's skills called middle path, or finding flexible mind, we're looking at possibilities instead of another absolute answer. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking like, like, what's the antidote to perfection? The antidote to perfectionism is possibility and being open and curious and beginning to think of possibilities in the moment yeah. instead of another absolute answer. This has to be another way. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like, I like that comparison, or not comparison, but saying, like, what's the opposite of perfectionism? It's not, like, going rogue and just not caring about anything, because that's really hard to achieve. Like, I don't think that's realistic. It's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can speak from experience. Not great. But focusing on on values and, like, finding satisfaction in that, I think it's, like, I don't know. It's just the rewiring phase, I feel like, is so challenging, and it um, may take a whole lifetime. Like you're yeah. you're going to end up like we perfectionism is sometimes a default when we're in a really high state of stress. So you're going to be perfectionistic again. It's just another control. time to put the skills. Yeah. 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 Can I tell you one of my favorite skills? Yes. So it's a mindfulness skill. It's called one mindfully. And whatever you're doing, you throw yourself in the moment for it. So if you're procrastinating, set a timer for 30 minutes and throw yourself into procrastination. So like fully enjoy Bachelor in Paradise instead of watching Bachelor in Paradise and beating yourself up for watching it at the same time. If you're going to be perfectionistic, put on a timer for 30 minutes and throw be as perfectionistic as you want to be. Like redo all of your work, like go through and reorient everything on Canva, like go for it, but have it be in a limited amount of time. Yeah. Instead of just living in limbo and trying to do all of the things at once or like even, yeah. Cause like you said, it can, it can go both ways. So if you are like working on something and feeling those like perfectionistic thoughts, thoughts and wanting to act on them, then I feel like we almost guilt ourselves in that moment too of like, oh, well I shouldn't be worried this much about it or how can I care less about this task right now yes but you do care so care for 30 minutes and then stop and again I'm presenting these in like oh just do this sort of way it's so uncomfortable it requires so much repeated practice but that's the whole point like mindfulness is a practice for a reason Mm -hmm. like it's not an achievement it's just something you do yeah and that's why I wanted to talk about perfectionism specifically because it is so abstract and it's something that I think like everyone struggles with at some level or you can identify something in your life that 
you feel like has to be perfect or struggle with like executing because you're afraid of something or meeting the friend or getting the coffee, getting the dinner, like whatever. Um, and there's not like a, a right or wrong, like this is how you just kill it. This is how you crush perfectionism, put it away. Like if it was that easy, we wouldn't be feeling it to the extent that we are. So yeah. I definitely appreciate like the tools and the awareness, like starts with that, starts with awareness yes. and cultivating that and understanding like where that is coming up. Yeah. And once you're aware, you know where to shift. And if you think about shifting instead of fixing, it's all these little nuances that if you just begin tweaking, you'll actually find that that perfectionism is slowly moving out of the driver's seat. Yeah, I love it. That's something I'm still working on, (laughs) but I've come a long way. And having a (laughs) project, like that's that's my advice. Or um, I talk a lot about like just my journey with the podcast and like putting myself out there and it's really helped me to combat a lot of this perfectionism stuff. And that's why I like it. I think like social media gets a bad rap for like people that just want to, you know, be Instagram famous or whatever. But right. it really helps you deal with this stuff because you really have to ask yourself, like, am I being perfectionistic in what I'm putting out there? Or am I being authentic? Like it makes me ask those questions. So I love the lens that you provided and would love to know how we can connect with you. What are you up to online and feel free to plug where you're at. Cool. So Instagram is like my main home. So that's at Lauren Ruth Martin. Um, Website is laurenruthmartin.com. You can access my podcast, my e-courses. If you, if you, your job or like your corporation or organization needs like a workshop or a keynote, happy to do that too. Um, But Instagram's like the hub for everything. So if you go there, you can find everything else I do. That is it for this week's episode. Hopefully this gave you a new lens to kind of look at where perfectionism might be showing up and holding you back in your own life. It can really be crippling and I truly understand that. All the more reason to put some boundaries in place around social media and just media consumption in general because I like in this interview I did not even think about how Pinterest was affecting my perception of what I create and what I do and what it should look like and it's all fake. It is not perfect on the internet. It is not what it looks like and our brains don't know the difference. So one thing I took from this episode was absolutely to check my media consumption. Again, like I say I do that and then I end up consuming a lot. So I'm really trying to reel that in. I hope you got some takeaway from this. Let me know if you did. Find me on Instagram at the Tea Please Podcast. Send me a DM. I would love to know what you got from this week's episode, what type of perfectionism you're currently working through, and let's connect about it. All right, I'll talk to you guys in the next episode.